Dancer. Hey everyone, welcome to the very first episode of I'm a Pole Dancer, hosted by your very own Sari the Scary Fairy. This is a pole podcast by pole dancers for pole dancers and the curious. Today we are kicking off our very first episode with a very, very dear friend of mine. I've known her for a few years. I don't really think she needs an introduction, but I'm gonna let her introduce herself. Well, why don't you tell us who you are? Oh my gosh, I'm nervous now. <laughs> no, you shouldn't be. You're glorious. <laughs> well, hello everyone. This seems weird to be on the other side of things, but hello, I'm Steph Sia. I am a fellow pole dancer here. I'm also a fellow exotic dancer, aka a stripper. I'm also a podcast po- podcast podcast host as well for stripper sex workers and all the fancy naked people um my podcast is called strip by sia and i'm like kind of a crazy human being so that's kind of like me in a really weird nutshell love it and steph what are we talking about today we're talking about the origins of pole dancing and i want to assume stripping and all the lovely naked people things um of <laughs> course yeah because you can't be pro pole without being pro ho Absolutely. yeah <laughs> so like <laughs> so yeah so with pole dancing as a lot of people know or maybe not everyone knows this is that it really the roots really take place in stripping definitely in north america at least so I found a little bit of history on the very trusted source Wikipedia um, <laughs> with some background info. So what I can do here is I'll just read out what I found and we'll just kind of go over it. Yes. So what I have here is it says pole dance in America has its roots in Little Egypt traveling sideshows of the 1890s, which featured, uh, I'm sorry if I bu- butcher this, uh, Kuta Kuta or Hoochie Coochie Belly Dances, mostly performed by uh, Gawazi dancers making their first appearance in America. In an era where women dressed modestly in corsets, the dancers dressed in short skirts and richly adorned in jewels caused quite a stir. During the 1920s, dancers introduced a pole by sensually gyrating on the wooden tent poles to attract crowds. So, right off the bat there pole dancing was used as like a sexual thing right right <laughs> awesome it gets even better and uh, next little bit here i have is the rock and roll invasion of the 1950s saw the introduction of the pole to a wider audience with elvis presley's jailhouse rock movie and video in 1957 the video featured presley's famous gyrating hips as well as numerous pole slides grinds and twirls eventually the pole dancing moved from tents to bars and combined with burlesque dance since the 1980s pole dancing has incorporated athletic moves such as climbs spins and inversions into striptease routines first in canada and then the united states if you guys didn't know we're based out of canada in beautiful vancouver british columbia here In the 1990s, pole dancing commenced to be taught as an art by, I think it's pronounced Fania Mondi. I'm so sorry if I butchered that. A Canadian (laughs) who moved to Las Vegas, she created the first pole training video to use in fitness exercise. Since then, pole dancing classes have become a popular form of recreational and competitive sport, practiced and performed in a variety of sexual, non-sexual, and athletic settings. So... Pole dancing, wow. uh, yeah, that origin definitely speaks pro-ho to me. 
Coho, definitely. And I didn't know there were Canadian roots in that, too. I did not know that either. So what I really like about this was, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different pole dancing that comes from, um, I know there's Chinese pole. I think there was some pole in India. And it looks like it was brought over to America. But really, it was the strippers and the sex workers who really took that and crafted that art into their own. And then they were the ones that opened it up to a wider audience and then now it's causing quite a stir let's get into it yeah let's get into it yeah because there's just a lot there's a lot there basically and and i'm sure we're going to get into this later on in the episode but in terms of like pole dance studios or like fitness studios opening up and not acknowledging the origins of pole dancing or stripping like to me is like kind of disappointment (laughs) I totally totally agree yeah um so let's talk about that like I know that there are some people who refuse to call it pole dance and they only refer to it as pole sport what are your thoughts on that oh gosh there's just a lot (laughs) there's a lot there we will go with the whole pole dancing term because I think that is a proper term and again that gives homage to exotic dancing where it all started from. I've noticed a trend in recent years, as you mentioned, that a lot of studios or even articles or media, they are referring it to as pole fitness, uh, pole sport, mm-hmm. as you mentioned too, and just kind of the whole erasure of the exotic side of it. And to me, you can't really separate the two. That no. doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. No, not at all. But on the flip side of that, like, when you do decide to do pole dance, no one's asking you to be a stripper. You can totally do pole dance for fitness reasons if you want, but for the love of God, just don't erase the stripper and sex work history behind it. Because if it wasn't for strippers really creating those moves, tricks, flips, all of those things for us, we wouldn't even have it as a sport to begin with. Yeah, it wouldn't exist today, basically. So then... We talked about that. So in terms of that, like the erasure of the erasure of exotic dance from studios or in other settings, what are some of the stigmas that like strippers face and sex workers face when they do come into studios? Like, has there been, I mean, I know you and I go to the same studio, (laughs) but have you been to any other studio or even within our own studio? Like, has there been any sort of um, stigmas or has people given you the side eye? Like anything. (laughs) I haven't personally had any weird stereotypes or any kind of stigmas as an exotic dancer going in or even before I was an exotic dancer because, yes, I was one of those civilians that joined pole dancing and then started stripping. So (laughs) I'm one of those people. (laughs) Yeah. And we can be both. I'll just say that. We can be both a stripper and we can also be both, like, a pole competitor and all that. Yes, yes, which which you are. And I've competed against you. (laughs) (laughs) teaching a class whether it's exotic dance um erotic floor work or even like chair dance or lap dance any kind of sensual movement I always like to introduce to the class like hey I'm this and hey I'm also a stripper like I like these moves originated from the strip club and it's also really important for us at least for me to educate my students of the importance of knowing where it came from totally 
Yeah, like that to me is really important. And also when I was, I mean, I am still a student. I'm forever a student <laughs> when it comes to pole. There's so many like new tricks and stuff to learn there. Yeah. But when I was being taught by exotic dance, it's not, there's not a huge amount left at our studio. But when they introduce themselves like, hey, I work at this club or hey, I do this, I'm actually more intrigued. I was like, mm. wow, like I can really learn firsthand from this person what kind of moves that they actually do. Because then sometimes, like, when I'm at the club, I'm not going to be doing all these acrobatic tricks all the time because, one, they're fucking tiring. Yeah. Two, I'm on stage. I mean, they're really tiring, and I want to be all sweaty. Um, two, our stage sets are typically 18 to 20 minutes long, so mm-hmm. I don't want to be all tired again. And three, the audience, honestly, they don't care about that stuff <laughs> at all. That's so true. That. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> Like, the audience will like a lot more easier moves. I don't know, for me, I want to say easier moves, but, like, they like the crowd to be worked. They like to be entertained. They want that connection as opposed to, hey, I just did a Superman aerial shoulder mount into a Gennaro, blah, 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 all this <laughs> stuff. Like, they just don't care. <laughs> no, they don't, which is funny. I, like, I learned that the hard way. Um, I'll probably do this for another episode, but, like, would say, like, performing for the normal people. Yeah, no one just cares what the intense tricks are. Like, they care yeah. more if you just do, like, oh, an air walk, because that's pretty. Yes. That's it. So it is also interesting, too. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about, like, that difference between exotic dance versus, I guess, what we're now starting to call more the pole sport side of things. Like I know all the tricks can be the same, but as you were mentioning that uh, typically exotic dancers don't put as many tricks. Of course, it really depends on where you're working, who you are as a dancer and things like that. But what really more is that style just to give our audience a clear picture of where that all comes from. Yeah. So again, like clientele, patrons, the audience they're coming in for a show they're, they're coming in for entertainment they want to be entertained they'll come in for a lap dance they're coming in for this reason right mm-hmm. um they're not necessarily as i said earlier they're not necessarily here to see tricks most people just don't really care about that they want to see the goods like i have to be <laughs> to be real here they want to <laughs> see the goods they want to see that wop you know <laughs> yes know Hopefully WAP is still, like, a huge song (laughs) when he released it. (laughs) But they want to see that, like, you know, and it's a different kind of showmanship. It's not the same as you would, in terms of, like, moves and stuff, it's not the same as if you would be performing for, say, like, a competition. Mm -hmm. They're not not judging you on this kind of stuff. (laughs) No, no, they don't care about those micro-bends. No, and you really have to have, like, the stage presence um, on stage, which is, it's so, it's so different being in pole fitness. And I've said this before my podcast, but just because you take pole dancing lessons does not mean that you are a great entertainer. Yes. Yes. That, I totally agree with that. You can be technically perfect to the nines, but that doesn't mean you're a good performer necessarily. It's all about that connection with your audience. Totally agree. Yeah, totally. And it's it's really interesting, too, because when I first started out with pole dancing, I was like, okay, like, I started stripping because I wanted to kind of get rid of my fear of stage fright, and, like, I hadn't been on stage forever, so I was like, okay, like, how hard can this be? And it was 
really hard. And a lot of people don't understand that stripping is is real work. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) It's a job. I know a lot of strippers that I know, they aren't forced into it because of a need in their life. Like they might, they might might not even be at rock bottom at all. I mean, sometimes some people are, but definitely not all strippers are. Some strippers are just like, Hey, I want to do this because I want to, because I love my body. So heck and heck yes, I'm going to go on stage and do this. It's a valid job. (laughs) It is valid. And I'm so tired of, you know, people coming into the club and they're like, what's, like, when are you going to get out of this and trying to play hero or are you okay? I'm like, bitch, did I ask for your opinion? Like, oh, sorry, can you swear? <laughs> yeah, we'll swear. That's totally okay. Let's do it. <laughs> sorry. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like, did I ask for your opinion and, like, them wanting to save me or, you know, trying to be my boyfriend and yeah. stuff, like, really bizarre. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, like, no. I mean, like, yeah, guys. Just because someone's a stripper doesn't mean they need to be saved from anything. They could be completely content and happy with their life. Just like Steph is here. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Like, again, it's like that whole hero complex. and We're we're not wanting to be saved. Like, and I'm only, like, speaking for myself and, you know, some of the dancers that I have personally worked with over the years. We're all wanting to be there. We've all consented. We've all chosen to be there. This is our... um, chosen profession and we love it otherwise we wouldn't be there and mm-hmm. I'm not trying to diminish the fact like of course there are situations where where sex workers are forced into that kind of line of work I'm not trying to say that that doesn't happen but there are a lot of us which unfortunately get jumbled in with the whole oh my god she's being abused oh my god she is high on drugs or high on like some kind of substance abuse or something and yeah those Yeah, speaking of which, what are some other misconceptions people have about strippers that you'd like to clear the air about? I know one is people think that they're constantly high, which is so untrue. I know of so many sober strippers. Um, Yes. Yeah, like, yeah. Are are there any other stigmas that you want to clear the air on? Oh my god. Where do I even begin with this? Anywhere. Anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, like... As you said, it's because, like, what the media has fed us over the years, um, what people, when people think stripper, they automatically think, okay, maybe she's high, okay, maybe she's drunk on the job, or, you know, maybe they were forced into this, as I said earlier, maybe she's being pimped out, what else, we're stupid, <laughs> they think that we're not educated, is another big thing, there's... too, but a lot of people I know are super educated. <laughs> yeah, and I know there's also a lot of strippers who are putting themselves through school with all that money. Or they've already been through school and they're just doing this because they fucking love it. Like, (laughs) really. It's really, really, really frustrating. So those are just a handful of some of the misconceptions that I've personally experienced and also have heard or people have shared with me on my podcast as well. So it's, it's really frustrating to still, even to this day in 2020, to still be battling those perceptions I know yeah it's super taboo (laughs) like even from a few years ago when I first started I remember when I first started pole I had to be like oh no no I'm doing pole fitness it's it's not stripping but like of course as you grow over time and you meet people and you have all these experiences you're like 
fuck no. These strippers started this whole thing. They, they're the whole reason why we have this. Like, no, like people need to stop thinking that strippers are bad people. They're not. I know. Well, that's interesting what you said just there. Cause I also went through the same thing in terms of like, I'm a pole dancer. I'm doing this for exercise Mm -hmm. and for competitions. And really, like, I'm definitely guilty of that, of me wanting to separate myself from, oh, no, I'm not one of those girls. No, that's not me. Until I realized, like, I really love doing this. This gives me so much joy. That's why I did, like, 100 amateur nights. (laughs) Oh, yeah, amateur nights. Uh, Do you want to talk about those? What are amateur nights? gosh amateur night is fun so basically if you don't have any experience sometimes clubs will host an amateur night once a month and it's basically like a contest where you can win money um you can show up your skills and stuff and you get to go up against other like-minded women who want to do that and depending on the club i wouldn't say most of the time it usually leads up to an actual job offer at the club or in our case, the circuit. Um, so it <laughs> it's really fun. I would highly recommend it once things open up again. If things open up again, it's quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, you get a real taste of what it's like to be on stage. Yeah, I mean, I'm a musical theater performer in my past, so like being on stage is just fun in general. <laughs> <laughs> So actually, yeah, because we're recording this during quarantine, as almost all podcasts right now are being recorded during quarantine with COVID, meaning a lot of the strip clubs in Vancouver, at least, have shut down. So unfortunately, a lot of strippers are out of work. With that, has that worsened any of the stigmas against them in terms of like what they do? And do we think that there's any future for the strip clubs when they open back up again? Because I know that's something that's really important to a lot of dancers. And who knows like when they'll open up or how they'll open up and how everything will run. And so on- many great questions. I know, and on top of that, I know, I'm sorry, I'm just, like, loading them all onto you at once. Um, <laughs> another thing I was just thinking about, too, is with this divide between pole dance and pole fitness, which has put a wedge in between the exotic style and, I guess, the fitness aspect, has COVID helped further this, like, separation between wow, the two? Okay. And, like, is it going to just, like... I don't know. There's so many, so many what ifs in the future. There's lots of question marks there. So I'm going to go, I'm going to try to go in order. (laughs) I might have to ask you guys what those questions are. That's okay. So in terms of COVID and strip clubs and how, like what it has done and how has it affected us? So, and with the clubs closing again, again. So I really, hmm. There's been some bad press in the media about the clubs and identifying the clubs as well, which had COVID scares and COVID cases. And I'm not going to go further to perpetuate that. Name the clubs. I'm not going to do that. No. For me, it really, it doesn't put us in a bad light, but again, it just shows the ugly side of people. Because I remember when those articles came out earlier this summer, and it's going through the comments and in general comments are just awful oh yeah (laughs) for news articles and stuff like they're just generally just rotten people there and you just see the comments like oh haha they probably got COVID from a stripper or haha they probably caught it from those dirty um dancers that work there yeah people calling strippers dirty which is so not true (laughs) so not true we're the most like cleanest people yeah 
like, <laughs> we take such good care of our bodies, such good care of our health. This is a little, like, do you know how physical our jobs are? Yeah. If we can't physically do our job, we're not going to make money. We're not going to survive. So there are so many protocols that have been coming into the clubs to try and protect not only the dancers, not only the patrons, but also like the people that work there too. And I will say, I know um, for one of the clubs that had a COVID case, it was because these guys came from Toronto. Three guys came to Toronto and they came to the club, I think two or three days in a row. No. And the news, of course, the news is going to write something that's going to catch people's eyes. Like, they're not going to say, oh, it was the patrons who came and brought it in. No, they're just going to leave it as, oh, there was a COVID scare at a strip club. Yeah. It's not the, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of any COVID scares at any of the Vancouver nightclubs where it was the strippers at all. Because they all did such a great job at keeping everything safe. Um, which is what, you know, what any business should do during these times. Like, people need to stop and think that, like, hey, a lot of the reason why these COVID scares are happening is because people, patrons, are bringing it in. (laughs) No, it's so true. And, like, it's really hard because the clubs have implemented so many new, like, processes and protocols in place to protect us, such as the plexiglass and, you know, have reduced capacities and stuff but then when it comes to the patrons unfortunately masks are not mandatory it is Mm. up to the patrons up to their comfort zone whether or not they want to wear a mask and for me i just feel like masks should just always be mandated anywhere that's indoors period agree that's my own opinion so like it's just a shame because there's so many people that had this glimmer of hope that oh my gosh I can finally go back to work again I can you know have some state of normalcy in my life again and make money and then again to double down now Dr. Bonnie Henry is like okay clubs and bars banquet halls all these large gathering places like need to close down by 10 if they serve alcohol yeah that whole thing is the whole industry is like dead it is so dead (laughs) I mean I'm very much close everything down but at the same, but not not just, like, clubs and bars. I'm, like, everything. Like, sports centers. Like, we don't need sports right now. Like, shut <laughs> it down. But at the same time, if you're going to do that, treat those club workers with respect and ensure that they are also on welfare, something that they can support themselves with as well because that that's their livelihood. Like, no one... Their job security... Like, they were secure in their job before... And they didn't ask for that job to be ripped away from them. No. It, it just no it just happened. And it happened to so many people. So, like, no one lost their job because they were working in a nightclub or they were a stripper. No, it's all because of COVID. Like, yeah. that was their livelihood. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, I guess going into part two or three of your question mm-hmm. plural. <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of, like, I think you mentioned something about the strippers and pole dancers and, like, has it created more of a divide with COVID? Yeah. I mean, in certain aspects, maybe. I mean, it's such a broad question, but because the clubs have closed down, we are now looking in 
other, I guess, um, channels where to make money. So now you have been seeing an influx on pages like OnlyFans mm-hmm. or like Pennybids and doing our own kind of content and generating our own kind of content on those channels. And then having those being super populated by civilians yeah. too and celebrities, which is the whole Bella Thorne thing yes. came out in my podcast like last yeah. week and that was the hot topic. I was so. just going to say, if you want to learn more about OnlyFans and the Bella Thorne scandal, go to Steph's podcast. She has a whole episode about it. That was a hot episode. Oh, <laughs> I listened to that. It was hot. It was juicy. And I guess on the pole dancer side, it's been interesting. I'm... I'm separating these these two kind of categories in terms of separate um, stripping and pole dancing, but it's been, I think, good in some ways, like, in terms of, like, moving everything online in terms of competitions, classes, workshops, and stuff like that, people's mm-hmm. Patreons, like, people have started those, and it's really interesting to have seen know since we can't travel borders and like time zones those things are like now a thing of the past because everyone can just take classes i can take a class in hong kong i could take a class in yeah. with this other um like really cool pole star so like in that aspect it's been really cool i mean i personally have not taken any because i don't have a pole at home oh but- yeah <laughs> But um, it's really cool to finally have that option there, even though that option was already there for so long, but no one was really utilizing it. Totally. Now, let's pivot the conversation a bit into something a bit more positive. Um, So, (laughs) no, don't be sorry. We're recording this during depressing times. It's 2020. It is forgiven. Um, So... (laughs) One thing, too, especially with the origins of pole and how stripping really helped define and, like, give the pole community its starting grounds, uh, the exotic world itself has also divided into a few different styles. I know that there's your classic exotic pole style, you have Russian style, as you mentioned before, there's some chair dance. I don't know if you mentioned that before, but there's chair dance, yeah. lap dance. Yeah. You want to elaborate a bit on those some of those styles? Like, what's your preferred style? I mean, I've seen your style. It's very, oh it's very heel clacky. Um, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I guess the yeah. <laughs> main one is like. Russian style and classic style. Yeah, so it's been really cool to see these trends coming out and that are emerging uh, within the exotic dance sphere. So, again, with competitions like Exotic Generation or um, what else? Uh, dance Filthy. Um, there's another one in the USA that I really like as well. It's really cool to see these subgenres coming out. So, as you said, stuff like Russian exotic there's also um low flow can also be exotic as well chair Mm -hmm. dance lap dance erotica doesn't even have to have a pole um even like old school style as well there's also like a new there's another category in there called like new or I can't remember what it was but it's like a type of movement I think it's really really cool that that's like evolving in that way and I guess my favorite ones, it's really hard to describe because I feel like my style is its own thing. Yeah, yeah. 
It's like definitely a mix of uh, classic exotic or like old school exotic mm-hmm. with um, some Russian elements to it. And I don't want to say Russian because to me, Russian is really, really, really technical. But I love the aggressive nature that is Russian. Yeah. Actually, and I love that attention grabby heel clacky shit. So. Totally. <laughs> like for those of those who don't know, do you want to give us sort of the Cliff Notes version of what is Russian? What is classic style? Yeah. What is old school? Like, what makes these three styles different? I'll try my best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess, like, with classic, it's just kind of like what you would see on stage. It's really slow moving, very slinky, um, lots of body waves, and very, very sensual. Yeah. I love that aspect about it. And old school is, like, really, you'll see, like, a lot of tricks. Like, if, you, if you've ever taken, well, if you've ever taken Tammy Morris's classes, <laughs> yes. very, they're very, very, very old school. You've got these like really cool tricks that you don't see very often. And I like how leggy and like showy that can kind of be uh-huh. and, and very reminiscent of what you would see in a club. And that's what I really like about it too. Again, being true to its roots. Mm-hmm. Um, Russian pole is again, like really, really brief. It's really, really aggressive I want to say it's a in your face fuck you kind of vibe yes really crazy with the heel claps clips uh clips kips are really popular and it's very technical and very fast yes yes I tend to find I pull a lot of the Russian style um recently into some of my own pole movements as well I, I tend to be really attracted to those tricks just I just love the aggressiveness of it but you know I have Russian heritage so why wouldn't I there you go. you're legitimate <laughs> legit doesn't mean I'm good at it <laughs> you're great <laughs> amazing um is there anything else you want to talk about in regards to stripping origins of pole um stigmas like anything you want our audience to know and like honestly what it really comes down to is don't erase our strippers from the origins like if you're gonna do pole dancing like i said no one's asking you to be a stripper but we are asking you to respect the origins and to respect the sex workers 100 percent. and if i do want to say one more thing it's um it's about stripper aesthetic Mm -hmm. um I've been just really noticing a lot of people are trying to adopt this kind of look and especially with like a lot of media out there too that like with the, the movie Hustlers or like some yeah. music videos and stuff trying to steal that kind of aesthetic um, but shame sex workers at the same time like that is not allowed. No. You can't do And no. I'm seeing that a lot lately and I think it's really embarrassing and also disrespectful to the craft. Yeah. Yeah, because people don't really realize, again, how much work goes into this, how it is a legitimate, like, line of work, too, and it's just really frustrating to keep seeing this and also just having to re-educate people on this topic as well. So, again, just don't be shaming other sex workers, especially if you're doing some kind of like exotic dance or some kind of like stripper aesthetic or or stripper totally. culture like that too. totally yeah, so that's just like end rant on that i feel <laughs> like i'm so angry on this show today no you're just being your wonderful self yeah no totally like guys don't don't shame strippers 
They're lovely people. They're just like you and me. They're just humans. So, I guess we're kind of wrapping things up here. Um, I want to play a little game with you. I'm going to do this on every episode, and it's going to be called Guess the Pole Move. So, what it is, is I'm going to be showing my guest co-host a move that I found on Instagram, and they have to guess the name. As many of you know or don't know, pole moves tend to have really fucking weird names sometimes that make absolutely no sense. Or sometimes, sometimes they sometimes they the make time. sense, but all the time they, like, don't make sense. Um, so what I'll do is, Steph, I'm going to message you the photos, but I'm going to ask you to either mute me or um, whatever so you can't hear me because I'm going to tell our listeners what the move is so that they can okay. look at it beforehand. Okay, am I going to mute you? I think you have to mute yourself. Do I? I think so. Oh, shoot. Okay, hang on. Let me do this. Okay. <laughs> I'm nervous now. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys. So. I don't even know any poll names, so this is going to be interesting. I love. Okay, so then this is going to be fun. I'm sending her these. So, guys, the move that I am showing Steph, it's called Death Lay. So, if you want to take a pause on the show and look Come it up on, on Instagram, in, look up in, <laughs> hashtag PD death lay. Okay. Oh my gosh, I have to go. Okay, all right, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you and I can see these. And I'm just like... Okay, do you want to describe, I've already told our audience what the move is and okay. where they can find it on Instagram if they wanted to pause the show and look at it, but can you, in your own words, describe what it looks like? I sent you a photo of me doing this move too because I've done it once. <laughs> It's it's really not. Okay. So, in your own words, can you describe what you are seeing on the screen? Okay. Well, if you're a pole dancer, it kind of looks like a Superman, but you're not holding onto the pole. And if I were to call this, um, if I were to name this move, I would call it like a like a swan dive because it literally <laughs> looks like you're, you're gonna fall. Like, oh no. my god. Or like. I would call this, like, face plant, because it looks like you're going to face plant, like, right after you take the photo. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, okay. The pole, the pole is in between your legs, so you're going to yeah. have to squeeze really hard in between your legs. Your arms are up like you're coming up from, like, um, a floor Superman, and they're kind of behind you, so it looks... <laughs> it's really interesting. <laughs> okay, so do you want to know what the name of this trick is? Yes. Okay, so this trick is called Death Lay. Okay. Which <laughs> kind of actually makes sense for this move, if you think about it, because it's like a reverse layback. Yes, it is it's like a reverse layback. Yeah. The trick to this move, it's not about squeezing the pole between your thighs, which it still very much is about squeezing the pole between your thighs, but or it is back. pressing your feet against the ceiling. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, so that's the trick to this move. You need a solid ceiling to do it. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I was like, oh my god, it looks like you will like literally nose or like PD nosedive. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh my god. Oh, I'm so glad. That's great. I can't wait to do that with more people. Yeah, so Steph, where can we find you on the wonderful Gosh. web? Instagram, Facebook, whatever. You have so many accounts. I do have so many accounts. Do you want me to plug them all? <laughs> whatever you want. I can put them in the show notes as well. 
Okay, cool. So again, my name is Stephcia, if you already forgot my name, aka Kimchi is my stage name. Oh my god, um, how do we go through the whole episode without mentioning your stage name? No, I totally forgot. Ah! I haven't danced in over a year now, so that's probably why. Oh my god, okay. Uh, yeah, so, where can we find you? Uh, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram. Uh, it is Sia Steph. It's my last name, my first name. Um, my podcast account there is Strip by Sia. I also have another instant noodle YouTube account called Sia Slurps. Another account, Sia Around the World for food and travel. Um, you can find my podcast, Strip by Sia, on any major podcast platform. Yes. So Apple, Spotify, everywhere, or Anchor, wherever. It's available everywhere. And, yeah, I guess if you want to be on it, fill up the form on stephsia.com or just, like, at me. <laughs> yeah, guys, like, if you enjoyed this episode, this is only just a brief glimpse into the sex work world and stripping. So if you really enjoyed this episode, go check out Stripped by Sia. It is such a fun show, and you learn so much more. And Steph here interviews so many wonderful sex workers. All right, and to wrap this up, Steph, what are you? I'm a pole dancer. Heck, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs>